Hello and welcome to episode number 73 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and joining me is Tony Pauline, and we finally reached the last division in our draft recap series, the NFC West, and we'll start with two teams that really couldn't be further apart in pretty much every way, whether it's record, stability at coach and quarterback, or just draft capital in general, that's the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, teams that are basically almost at opposite ends of the uh, draft with the Cardinals having the first pick, the Rams having the 31st pick. We'll get through these next four and uh, maybe take a, a little bit of time off, and then we'll start gearing up for the 2020 draft. So let's start off with the Cardinals. Absolutely. And obviously, we've talked a lot about Arizona on the show, both leading up to the draft, during the draft, and after it. They really were locked in on Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray for months leading up to the draft. Nobody really bothered to tell 2017 first-round pick Josh Rosen about that, however, until literally minutes before the pick was made when Cliff Kingsbury called him. Apparently, he still has not heard from general manager Steve Keim. Good luck by Arizona there. But we have spent a lot of time on that situation. Now the pick is official. Rosen was moved to Miami on the second day of the draft. So we can actually focus on Murray himself. And while obviously he's a dynamic playmaker, I mean, this guy was the first athlete to ever be a first-round pick in both the NFL and MLB drafts. So in that sense, just as an athlete, he's special. He'll combine forces here with Cliff Kingsbury to bring that air raid offense to the desert in full force. We've seen a little bit of it at the NFL level in pieces, but never a full-fledged air raid offense. So that's what we're going to get in Arizona. Obviously, height was once a big deal for quarterbacks. It seems that we're kind of past that when an outlier like the 5'10 Kyler Murray can go first overall. I do think his overall background as an elite athlete can only help him transition into the league. But obviously, there are questions. And Tony, I know you have a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, I I would agree with you about the uh, elite athlete helping him. I think the baseball background also helps him. But I mean, you know, the fact is this. This pick was made and almost decided upon when Cliff Kingsbury was hired as the head coach. And as we stated before, Kingsbury and Kyler Murray have the same agent. I think that played a lot into it, especially with Kyler Murray's decision to enter the draft. This is a pick that could determine how people see this draft. I mean, because there was so much controversy around it, a lot of criticism, a lot of head scratching. You know, Kyler Murray's a talented athlete. He's a very unrefined passer. He's got a very minimal body of work. I think in large part, he could thank his former teammate or former Sooner, Baker Mayfield, because the way Baker Mayfield played last season as a shorter quarterback, I think that helped Kyler Murray. And, and, you know, we've heard in the lead up to the draft, we heard a lot of comparisons made between Kyler Murray and players like Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson of Seattle. And I think it's apples and oranges, because when you look at Russell Wilson, when you look at Baker Mayfield, you know, those were guys who were established on the college level. Those were guys that were 50 or seniors. Those were guys who had faced adversity throughout their college career. Those are guys who had to transfer, really, to get get a better opportunity to play. Kyler Murray's been nothing but unicorns and rainbows since uh, the first day he stepped on the field for Oklahoma, winning the Heisman Trophy, getting into the sem- uh, semifinal for the national title game. Even when they lost to Alabama, people came away from that game thinking that it was a major win for Kyler Murray. So I, I wonder how he's going to react when he finally faces adversity on the football field. I think... The baseball background will help him, but there's just so many questions, and you're going to really compare how Kyler Murray does in Arizona, how Arizona Cardinals do under Cliff Kingsbury, and keep a watchful eye on Josh Rosen in Miami. Yeah, I mean, obviously the baseball background, baseball is a game of failure, and Kyler Murray has played it for his entire life, so he's used to failing 
on the sports field, maybe not on the football field as much, but at the very least, that should help them here. We will move on to the second day here, though, where the Cardinals made three picks. They got Washington quarterback Byron Murphy with the first pick in round two. They drafted UMass wide receiver Andy Isabella with the pick that they acquired from Miami for Josh Rosen, and they grabbed Boston College defensive end Zach Allen at the top of round three. Now, Murphy struggled at the combine. He added 15 pounds to get from 175 to 190. He's probably going to need to stick near that higher number to last long term in the league. Even 190 is a bit below average for a cornerback, so he's going to have to get used to it. Hopefully he hasn't dropped back into the 170s or the low 180s in terms of his weight. But on the field, Murphy's a guy with great ball skills, defends the run well as well, plays with excellent overall instincts, and he's going to need all of that to overcome not just the weight, but he's also sub 5'11". A lot of NFL teams really want their corners to be closer to six foot. So Murphy has some things to overcome, but he's a very talented player and one of the better corners on the field in this class, if not the best. Now, Isabella is an interesting prospect, a guy who was super productive at UMass, performed well against top competition. We profiled him after the Georgia game when he posted some big stats. Many of those stats did come with the game out of hand, though. Uh, he did struggle a bit during senior bowl practices, took a bit too long to set up his routes, but played well in the senior bowl game itself and really draws praise overall for his work ethic. I worry a little about body catching with Isabella, small catch radius as well. He's another slot type of receiver for the Cardinals who have Larry Fitzgerald there. They have Christian Kirk there, even Keyshawn Johnson, who they got later on, although Arizona seems to feel that he can play outside. So it'd be interesting to see how he fits in there. Zach Allen is an intense, smart player, not going to wow you as a pass rusher or even as a run stopper, not particularly explosive, but he's solid in all aspects of the game, really has a chance to be a good overall NFL player who ends up being more valuable to his team than it appears on a stat sheet. Yeah, I think Byron Murphy was great value. I I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to see a lot of action as a rookie in nickel packages, could eventually develop into a starter, the most polished cornerback in this year's draft the most polished ball skills, like you said, came into the combine a little bit heavy. I think he wanted to show teams that he could be a little bit heavy and a little bit heavier than he was on the college level and play it that way. Didn't run too well. He's going to have to find a weight that he's comfortable at, that he can play at and keep some semblance of quickness and speed. I don't know that it's 190. Maybe it's in the 180s. You know, the guy can play. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to avoid those mismatches when he's going up against six foot three receivers. Andy Isabella, we said all along here about how the Arizona Cardinals really liked him. We mentioned multiple times on these podcasts in the lead up to the draft, the Cardinals were keying on him. I was told third round because they believe he's a great fit for that Cliff Kingsbury system. I would agree with Chris's criticisms or concerns about the body catching. You know, yeah, he's small. He doesn't have a large catch radius, but it's going to be up to Kyler Murray to put the ball in his hands. One thing Andy Isabella knows how to do is he knows how to get open, whether it's through route running, whether it's through finding the open space uh, on the field, uh, in the defense, whether it's exploiting opponents, he knows how to get open. So I think he's going to do very well as a slot receiver as well as a return specialist. Third round pick Zach Allen, I think, was a terrific steal, sort of like Byron Murphy in round two. Allen did not have a good senior year. If he enters the 2018 draft off his junior campaign, he's potentially a first-round pick. He's a guy that is a three-down player. He's not great as a pass rusher. He's adequate. He's not great as a run stuffer. He's adequate. He can do both, and he can occupy the gaps. I keep hearing that Robert Kemdichi may not be with the team when the season starts, and I think that'll be an opportunity for Allen to get a lot of playing time this upcoming season. Now, Arizona had seven picks on the final day, including five that came in the final two rounds. 
They took Iowa State wide receiver Hakeem Butler at the top of round four. Alabama safety Deontay Thompson to start round five. Fresno State wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson and Georgia center Lamont Galliard in the sixth. And Morgan State tackle Josh Miles, Temple defensive lineman Michael Dogby, and UCLA tight end Caleb Wilson in round seven. Now, Butler is a guy who many hyped up during the pre-draft process. A lot of analysts actually had him as their top wide receiver in this class. The NFL, though, obviously felt a bit differently, letting him slide to the third day. We weren't huge fans of Butler here, but it is hard to argue with the value of getting him outside the top 100. He's a tall, lanky, deep threat, goes 6'6", about 225. Not the sharpest route runner, struggled with inconsistent hands at times, but there's definitely room for development with Butler. And even with his floor as a role player who's going to stretch the field, he should prove worth the investment early on the third day. Thompson's another player who fell, him because he didn't run for scouts in the lead-up to the draft. Speed was a concern for him even before that, so that definitely hindered a bit of his draft stock. But he can play the run. He's got good range on the back end and is yet another value pick here for the Cardinals on the third day. Now, Keyshawn Johnson is a guy who may never be a top two receiver on a depth chart, but he'll get an opportunity once Lyre Fitzgerald moves on. He's a good route runner with reliable hands. Just isn't the most athletic receiver, but he wins in other ways. Galliard started three seasons at Georgia, really shined at the Shrine game this year in St. Pete. Shows good skills in motion as well as strength at the point. Miles is another guy, a lineman who stood out at the Shrine game, moves well, and really just a high upside flyer for Arizona to develop coming out of a small school. Dugby's a first-step three-technique type of lineman, only had one year of production at Temple, doesn't really have that great size-speed profile, but a player that might be able to develop into a backup on the line. Wilson was Mr. Irrelevant in this year's draft, a tight end who tested well in Indy but needs some work on his game, particularly as a blocker. He makes some nice catches on tape, but he needs to improve in contested situations and some other spots as well. But overall, this really looks like a very nice day three for Arizona with lots of quantity and value as well. Yeah, I think even though Hakeem Butler ran faster than most expected at the combine, he still doesn't show that natural quickness or ability to separate. And like you said, he's got some inconsistent hands. You know, I, I struggle to see the fit in Cliff Kingsbury's system, although at Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury did have some bigger possession receivers in the past that they exploited. So it is great value, no doubt about it. Deontay Thompson will have to see how he's used. Like you said, he not only did he not run before the draft, but what, what he did test, I think he had like a 33-inch vertical jump. And when you're not running, you got a 33-inch vertical jump as a safety. That's telling scouts you ain't got too much explosion in your legs. He's still a very good player. It's just a situation. Can you use him as a traditional free safety? Is he only a strong safety? Can you use him in his own system? I think once he gets acclimated to the next level, he'll be okay. I think that was another good value in round five. Keyshawn Johnson went right where I think most of us thought. He's a terrific football player. He's not just a great athlete. He runs good routes. He separates. He's smart. He's a consistent, reliable pass catcher. Catches the ball with his hands. He's actually a very good vertical uh, pass catcher, although he doesn't have vertical speed. But when you throw him the ball downfield, he makes a lot of difficult receptions. I thought that was an outstanding uh, selection for the Arizona Cardinals, a guy who I think could be a fourth receiver and eventually develop into a number three as their older guys kind of fall by the wayside. I love the selection of Lamont Galliard in round six. I know that right now they got Mason Cole at center, but Mason Cole can play multiple positions on the offensive line. J.R. Sweezy's getting a little bit long in the tooth, so I could see eventually Lamont Galliard moving into the center, uh, the starting spot at center, and then Mason Cole moving over to guard. 
The last three picks are guys who I think are destined for the practice squad. Josh Miles, I believe, has the highest upside of all, can play tackle or can play guard. As you said, really stood out during Shrine Game practices, was a guy who wasn't even mentioned by scouts coming into the year, was never even graded, but really played well during his senior campaign, as did Michael Dogby, another guy that was dismissed by NFL scouts before the season began. I struggle to see the fit here because, as you said, he's a three-technique guy. He has a three-technique build. He has a three-technique playing style. He's got to beat opponents off the snap with his first step. He's got a good change of direction. It'll be interesting to see how they use him, uh, how Arizona uses him. So, Lev Wilson, a guy who really didn't inspire me, as you said, tested much better than expected at the Combine. Had some moments at UCLA, but really didn't have a lot of consistent uh, film you hope he picks up the consistency of his game. Someone who I think, again, will end up on the practice squad this fall. Now the Cardinals added over a dozen UDFAs to go with their 11 draft picks. Arkansas cornerback Ryan Pulley is an interesting guy. Now, he missed the 2017 season with a pectoral injury, had a good year in his return last year. And despite a lack of true deep speed, he plays with good timing and instincts, closes on the ball extremely well. He can also play the run at 210 pounds. So that's a guy who might have a chance to make the roster. Louisiana Tech defensive tackle Emmanuel Turner is another developmental three technique, sort of like Michael Dogby, who you mentioned before. Strange fit in the desert, but shows solid athleticism at 6'3", 309. Despite that size, he's actually often neutralized at the point, really needs to get the first step on his opponents. He was in and out of the Bulldogs starting lineup in 2018, which is certainly a big reason why he fell out of the draft. Tony, do any of these post-draft signings, whether I mention them or not, stand out to you? Well, I like the guys that you mentioned. I also like A.J. Richardson, the uh, receiver from Boise State that they signed. A guy who I think could absolutely make it as a fifth receiver, return specialist, or could end up on the practice squad. He was a player who was not even graded by scouts, really through the process. We do have a scouting report on him at draftanalyst.com, so you can read about him there. A guy who, you know, is one of those players that really stood out to me on film when I watched him, again, I think he could make it as a, uh, a fifth receiver. If not, I think he ends up on the practice squad. We've talked a lot about the Kyler Murray pick, and it's kind of hard to view Murray and Andy Isabella as a better combination than Quinn and Williams and Josh Rosen, which is probably what Arizona would have had if they ended up staying at number one, keeping Rosen and maybe taking Quinn and Williams. But outside of that, Cardinals really did a great job adding talent in this year's draft. I'd say they deserve a good grade based on the backs of those picks, even if the draft is going to eventually be defined by what happens with Kyler Murray under center. You know, I would agree with you. You know, really from Byron Murphy down, I thought they got good players. They got great value. But the Kyler Murray pick is just going to gnaw at me. It's going to gnaw at me because not only do I think that he went much earlier than I would have drafted him, and he basically it wasn't a need selection. It was a selection to appease the new coach. And then in drafting Kyler Murray, they basically gave Josh Rosen away for a song. So that's really, I, I think that's why I've got it downgraded. Granted, I may be wrong in three years from now. Kyler Murray could be a great NFL quarterback, and Josh Rosen may amount to nothing. I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll have to wait and see. Now head up the coast to L.A. in just a moment, but before we do, please support the Draft Analyst by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of the big podcast platforms. You can also find us at Believe.com. Leave us a rating and a review. If you have any questions you want answered on the show, tweet us at Chris Tripodi, at Tony Pauline, at Draft Analyst One, and at Believe Podcasts to get in touch with the show.
As we mentioned at the top of the show, the Rams and the Cardinals are obviously in different worlds right now. L.A. finally had a first-round pick once again after not having one as a result of the Jared Goff trade from 2016 over the past two years. But they traded out of that pick to pick up selections 45 and 79 from Atlanta. And then they slid down twice more, once to get pick 56 and 101 from New England, and again to get pick 61 and pick 167 from KC. They finally settled and made a pick. Washington safety Taylor Rapp at number 61. Then in their third round, they selected Memphis running back Darrell Henderson, Michigan cornerback David Long, and Oklahoma tackle Bobby Evans. Now, Rapp is a guy who struggled running the 40 at his pro day after he didn't run at the combine. That may have hurt his draft stock a little bit, but he's a hard-hitting safety. He shows good burst, decent ball skills, and just an overall good football player, regardless of his lack of speed. The Henderson pick may say more about Todd Gurley than people are thinking about, may say more about Todd Gurley than Henderson as a whole. But obviously the Rams are a team that often plays in space. They scheme their guys open into wide open space. And really that's where Henderson thrives. It's a great spot for him to maximize his potential as an explosive change of pace back. And if Gurley continues to have knee troubles, Henderson could be extremely effective in this system, even if he's only a 12 to 15 touch player. Long was the pick that L.A. got from Atlanta in that first trade. He's got good physicality and ball skills. Doesn't have great size, but he's a willing run defender, and he should provide immediate depth behind the Rams' top three corners and potentially slide into that top three as early as next year. Bobby Evans could be another guy who slides into the lineup next year. Could be the eventual replacement for aging left tackle Andrew Whitworth. The Rams did this last year, too, when they drafted Brian Allen and Joe Noteboom, knowing that they might have holes to fill the following season on the offensive line. Evans is a nasty lineman who thrives as a run blocker, also shows a good anchor and range in pass protection. There are some that think he's an NFL guard, but we grade him as a tackle. That's also where he's listed on the Rams' depth chart. You know, Rapp was good value late in round two. Everyone knew that he ran the four sevens, which basically knocked him out of round one. The Kansas City Chiefs liked him up until that point. It's going to be interesting to see how the Los Angeles Rams play him because, you know, he has the style and the substance and everything you want in a strong safety, but they got John Johnson there. So I don't know if they're basically going to try and groom him to be a uh, replacement for Eric Weddle, who was signed in the offseason. It'll be interesting to see. I like it. I think it's good value, but I think they already have a very good strong safety there in John Johnson. I agree with you in Daryl Henderson. I thought Henderson was one of the more undervalued running backs in this year's draft. I think with Todd Gurley, with the guy who often has to be put on the sidelines because of injuries or knee issues, whatever the situation is, I think Henderson's the perfect guy to come off the bench to spell him on occasion, to be used as a rotational ball carrier. He plays with terrific speed, beats defenders into the open field. He's got some terrific short area quickness. I like his entire game, as I do with David Long. I thought Long was... Really one of those guys, we were one of the few people that uh, had Long graded as a third-round pick. He has a high upside, needs some work on his game, but he showed tremendous flashes, and I really love his future. I like this pick a lot. Same thing with Bobby Evans. Again, we were one of the few outlets that graded Bobby Evans as a second-day pick. He can play multiple spots on the offensive line. Whether he's going to be the future replacement for Andrew Whitworth or whether he's going to be a guy that you you kick inside to guard, maybe even get some looks at center. Whatever it is, I think Bobby Evans, the the center is a position where he may have to develop into, may develop and must learn. But still, I think overall, this was an excellent selection considering, you know, some of the age and needs that the Rams have on the offensive line. The Rams had another four picks on day three, taking Raps' former teammate, Washington defensive tackle Greg Gaines in round four. 
Wisconsin offensive tackle David Edwards in round five, and Penn State safety Nick Scott and Texas Tech linebacker Dakota Allen in the seventh round. Gaines is a three-technique tackle who really explodes out of his stance. He's effective when he gets the first step on opponents, should end up being a solid backup on the inside of L.A.'s defensive line. Even if he doesn't quite have enough upside to eventually become a starter, they don't really need that behind Aaron Donald. Edwards is a guy who had shoulder issues last season, struggled a bit with speed off the edge as a tackle, but this is a guy who at one time was widely considered to be a potential first-round pick at one point. So that's well worth a fifth-round flyer, despite the injury concerns for Edwards. Nick Scott is the rare drafted player that we actually don't have a scouting report on at DraftAnalyst.com, a former running back with great speed and explosiveness. Scott's pretty likely to start out on the practice squad. He needs a lot of technical work at the safety position, but he's athletic and intense, and at the very least could find a long-term home on special teams. Now, Allen is a guy who's well-known for his stop at East Mississippi Community College, a.k.a. Last Chance U. Anybody who watched that series on Netflix, Allen's a guy with good speed. He's small at 233 pounds, however, but he does fit well on the inside of the Rams 3-4 as long as he's covered up by a bigger pairing linebacker on the other side of him. He also is a guy that has the potential, just like Nick Scott, to be a demon on special teams. Tony, what do you think of this third-day haul for L.A.? Yeah, I mean, Gaines is a good fourth-round pick when you get a defensive lineman like Gaines, who's going to be a rotational guy early in his career. It's always a win. I thought that was a, a tremendous selection, as is potentially David Edwards. Like you said, depends on what happens with the shoulder. I mean, if you come off the 2017 film, David Edwards looks like a first-round pick. He had the shoulder injury, and I was told point blank that he was on the field at times this year when he should not have been playing, which made the situation worse, which hurt him. He then went to the combine, and he did not test well. But again, you got to go back to the film, especially the 2017 film. And if they get David Edwards back to where he was as a junior uh, coming out of that year, coming out of the 2017 campaign, they could have a potential starting tackle. Now, David Edwards, at one point in time, I thought he could play left tackle, even though he lined up at the right side for Wisconsin. Whether uh, they think he can do that remains to be seen. He's got to get back to full health and, and, and then get his game back on gear. Dakota Allen, there were some people who thought he was a middle-round choice. We always had him as a late-rounder. He is an explosive inside linebacker, run-and-chase type guy who you know, showed flashes uh, in 2018. He's just got to pull all the pieces together. About 20 signings post-draft for the Rams. Georgia linebacker Natrez Patrick is an interesting pickup, a guy who kind of peaked early on in his college career. He was a starter for several years for Georgia. May not have much development left in his game, but if the Rams can get him to pick it up, can maybe get a little more development out of him. He is a good downhill linebacker and flashes coverage ability, so that's an intriguing flyer. Landis Durham is a guy we've talked a lot about on this podcast wasn't invited to the combine after being talked about as a potential second-day pick before the season. Situational pass rusher who does fit the Rams' defense as a guy who can stand up over tackle. Did play that role a bit with Texas A&M and could end up surprising at the NFL level as a sub-package guy if he can get back on track as well. Yeah, especially since they signed Dante Fowler to, I believe, it was just a one-year contract. If I'm wrong, please correct me on that, but I think it was a one-year contract. And Landis Durham coming into the season was great as a top 45 pick by NFL scouts, just did not have the season that people thought. They signed Kettner Cup, who uh, ironically is the brother of Cooper Cup, 
Cooper, the, the uh, wide receiver from Eastern Washington. Kettner, the uh, linebacker from Eastern Washington. Kettner right now is a better athlete than he is a football player, but he's still he's got a, a decent amount of upside. Kendall Blanton, the tight end from Missouri, a guy who, if he doesn't make the active roster, I can absolutely see him being put on a practice squad this fall. Two interesting offensive linemen and guys who I don't think will make the active roster but could be on the practice squad. Brandon Hitner of Villanova, who can play guard or tackle. And I know I'm going to butcher this guy's name. <laughs> I'll do it the best I can. Vitez Hrinzik from uh, Youngstown State. He was a guy who I actually graded off the 2017 film. I like his game a lot. The only problem is, is he's not real big. But you get him into an NFL weight training program, you know, they have a needed offensive center. He, I don't think he's going to answer it right away. But I think he's a guy that may, he goes on the practice squad. He could be a good, inexpensive rotational lineman in the future. Now, the Rams did a really nice job manipulating the early part of the draft. They ended up sliding almost a full round back from number 31, and they picked up three extra picks in the process. Now, I wouldn't say any of their picks came at amazing value, but they did draft players with the potential to make an impact for them sometime within the next two seasons, which for them is really when their Super Bowl window is going to remain open right now. Listen, you're drafting 31. You're looking either for that single player that's going to throw you over the top, or you're looking to add depth at certain positions. They didn't like any of the players on the board when they were called to the clock at 31, so they trade down. They get Taylor Rapp. They get Daryl Henderson. They get David Long, who I think all are players that can help in situational packages as rookies. You got Bobby Evans, who I think could be a good backup, future starter. You got Greg Gaines in round four, who's going to be a rotational guy. I think he'll see action as a rookie. And then you got David Edwards, who, if he's healthy and you get his game back on track, you got yourself either a starting tackle or trading chip for the future. So I think overall, when all said and done, I think the Rams did an excellent job uh, because when you're drafting number 31, you're really not looking to get a lot of guys who are going to be active roster players coming out of the draft. But I think they did exactly that. And that's all for the 73rd episode of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. We'll be back Thursday to finish out the NFC West and finish out our draft reviews as a whole. So keep an eye out for that in your podcast feed and head over to draftanalyst.com for scouting reports and all of our other draft reviews as well. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night.